Hello, on today's Mole Valley Farmers podcast, we're discussing everything organic, from the new dedicated Mole Valley organic feed mill at Ufcombe in Devon, and how that will benefit organic livestock producers, to the latest on the organic markets and how organic farming can maximise output from this land. So this is one podcast not to be missed if you are an organic farmer. I'm Seth Conway, and let me encourage you to hit the subscribe button for more of these agricultural discussions. Okay, so let's uh, welcome you all along to another Mole Valley Farmers podcast. We're talking organic farming today. I've got uh, three eminent voices on this subject in the room with me, our virtual room as we record this. So let's start with the introductions. Let's start outside of the Mole Valley family, first of all, with Rob Dakin. Rob, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Rob Dakin, and I'm really pleased to have been invited by Adam and Lisa to chat away. Hopefully they still think that at the end after I've fired some some questions, but I'm really looking forward to what Lisa's got in a toolbox for the organic farmer, but really what Adam's plans are for the for the new mill at Ufcombe, you know, the organic mill there. Um, I'm an independent consultant. I work with the organic supply chain, with the milk companies, with different feed manufacturers uh, on an independent basis. So really pleased to be here. So a wealth of knowledge there from Rob and Adam, a new voice for the Mole Valley Farmers podcast as well. Yeah, thanks, Seth. I am Adam May, Mole Valley Farmers for um, over 20 years now. Uh, I head up the commercial management for the business, uh, focusing very much at farm, what I call farm gate level. So interacting with, with farmers uh adding value where we can across the piste being uh, very much involved from the from the nutritional side of things and uh very much working with rob lisa on providing good solutions for organic producers so and there's obviously there's been some quite big changes uh and commitments from the business in the last uh, in the last few months which obviously we're going to be discussing further later on in this podcast so looking forward to that excellent thanks adam and uh for you lisa Although we, we've heard you plenty of times on the podcast before, just tell us who you are and get straight into what we're going to be discussing in uh, today's chat. Yeah, thanks, Seth. So Lisa Amley, a head of grassland and forage agronomy. Um, and interestingly, um, for uh, for organic feed, you know, this sometimes people think of agronomy as being all about sprays, but Natural fact, it's not. We're we're involved from everything from the from the soil to the silage, so vitally important in organic. And so, which are the key areas for people tuning into this? Perhaps it's their first time listening to the Mole Valley Farmers podcast. What areas are we going to be going through in today's conversation? Well, obviously, again, you know, from soil to um, the clamp, so everything within the organic um, um, scenario has to be. Um, what you've already got on farm. So it's all about looking at, from our point of view, uh, soil, what nutrition have we already got in the soil, what nutrition have we got in the muck and slurry, um, and then how we can best utilise that to grow the, you know, the best pro- crops we possibly can to add into the diet. Now, Robble and Adam will, will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 60% of the diet in, in organic situation has to be from forage. Yeah, Absolutely. Bang on the money, Lisa. Absolutely bang on. Uh, 
Yeah, so, so it's more important, isn't it, to make sure that we've got that bit right. And I, I think, I'll, you know, maybe pick up on that point. I think, he, and, and this, you know, is a sort of something I've worked at and looked at for a long time over the years. And Adam may not like my philosophy on this because I, my thought process immediately is, how much milk can we get from within the farm boundary? So, you know, can we get 60? Can we get 65? Can we get 70%? Can we get some of the concentrate feeding from, from growing our own cereals? Or should we be growing cereals and, and selling them and buying feedback? But, you know, I think the starting point is as much milk as possible from within, from within that farm fence before we look to external areas where we buy and feed whether that is on a straight basis or on a on a compound yeah i think i i totally agree believe it or not i totally agree with what, what you said rob and uh and lisa and and with within more valley farmers we're not just a feed business are we you know we're a farming cooperative and this is something that's very near and dear to my heart is that we need to look at all aspects of uh of the inputs to maximize the production to their genetic potential on farm so a straightforward feed business will be purely looking at from a nutritional side of things. And this is where yeah, I'm quite excited from a from an organic point of view, but all the, what we do in organic, we, we replicate from a conventional side of things as well. So we've got to look at, as Lisa said at, right at the start, what's on farm, what's what's the target, what what's the producer looking to do with the with, with their in this case the, the cows as far as production is concerned, how is that going to impact fertility and so forth? So we start with what's on the farm and then what what's short uh, or what's needed from a nutritional point of view, then we've got the facilities, the manufacturing capabilities to be able to produce a product or or supply a raw material to um, to be able to complement that shortfall. And it's as straightforward as that. You know, and I, I think I was surprised um, fairly recently. We had an amazing on-farm meeting uh, with a lot of people in attendance and, you know, very, very passionate about the organic sector. And I suddenly had a, a, a thought to myself, it's actually these guys from a um, soil and um, cropping point of view probably have the least help. Um, if I think about, you know, some of my previous experience in uh, arable um, and even, you know, on other conventional grassland, they've got fertilizer people that want to help them. And then they've got chemical people that want to help them. Well, in organic situations, sometimes, you know, that, that helps just not there because, um, you know, those people won't be selling to those um, organic customers. And I thought, well, this is where we can really actually help because it's we're not reliant on 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 that. And like Adam says, you know, there are shareholders and our farmer members. Um, and actually, help and advice is sometimes exactly what's needed. So, if we take it um, to a wider thing, first of all, the market, the market out there. I mean, organic has been something that has grown. Are we confident that this market for organic farming is just going to continue to grow, that that is what the consumer is wanting? I, I think if, if you look at it over the, the short term and the long term, and if we look at it from a, from a milk perspective rather than an, an overall livestock area, you know, I think um, long-term organic's got real prospects and will continue to grow, I think. We've had a, a couple of worldwide events, or a, certainly with COVID and followed by, you know, the, the credit crunch has caused, you know, a few ways for organic in terms of people trading down. So we've, we've probably seen the market constrict 
in the last 12 months and we may see a little bit more constriction in the in the short term but long term i think there is a, a future for organic and it, we've always got a percentage of what i would describe as dark green consumers um who will always stay and, and buy organic and then we've got people who will buy organic whilst they can afford it so we've seen a little bit of trading down out of that i think those people will come back as a as credit becomes more available to them and there's more money in the in their pockets um if you look at the the total market you've 57 58,000 organic cows in the uk given you know somewhere in the region of 350 million liters of milk um so that there is you know and that at, at this point i think i've not or i haven't seen organic be as balanced as as what it is today uh, if you look at the the statisticians the cantars the chris walklands the other statisticians of this world that they're, they're all telling us that organic has shrunk by between 14 and 16 percent if you then overlay that with figures from ahdb you'll see that we're about 14 13 and a half 14% down year on year in terms of, of milk deliveries. So from a balanced position, I think we're in you know, a very strong position you know, in terms of milk and the markets and where we are. Uh, I think price is another discussion, um, but perhaps for another day. Interesting points, Rob. And for you, Adam, within the market as you see it, what kind of challenges then are, are farmers facing? I think within... Within the old market, within the organic market, we you know where we are right here today, it is tough. It is very very tough from a from an organic milk producer perspective. The milk price uh, is a lot lower than where it has been in previous years. The feed price has has come back, but nowhere near if you look at the feed price to to milk price ratio where it has been in the past. So uh, make no bones, it's uh, it's pretty tough out there at the moment. However. Uh, we're fortunate that we've got some fantastic organic milk producers that are farmer shareholders and we're working with them on a daily basis and they're totally, totally committed to the organic the organic process. And I've been fortunate enough to work with some some key producers, understanding their 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 approach from a forage point of view, how they complement that from a feed point of view, their investment within their, their farms and additional farms is totally commitment to the organic way of, of farming. We've also had some other other members that have decided to move into more the conventional side of things for, for uh, economic pressures and so forth. But it's interesting that, uh, that those members are, are actually still taking the skills of what they've learned from the organic side of things. So they're, they're actually producing conventional milk, but in an organic way. So the principles of organic farming, uh, not relying on, as Lisa said earlier on, the you know, the inputs from the fertilizer sprays and so forth, those principles are still the same. And that's something which which I truly believe in. And, and I think that uh, when you start looking at the overall soil nutrition uh, and how, how over time the soil becomes more fertile through these practices, it's only going to be good for, for not only the organic, the organic market, but the conventional market could learn a lot from those sort of approaches. You sounded like a regenerative farmer there, Adam. 
that's got to be where it is, isn't it? It's a balance, and um, a balance. you know, it's getting those balances right, uh, right through the, um, yeah, again from from the soil right into the cow's diet, and what you know, what comes out the other end, and that's where we get involved again. Is you know what what we're doing with that. So it's absolutely critical and um, vitally important in an organic situation that we are managing those resources. Um, I, I mentioned um, genetic potential, Adam, earlier for you know the the animals involved, and I might actually add the genetic potential for your cropping as well. Um, we we have got fantastic breeding programs for um, grass varieties, cereals, um, and sometimes you know the genetic potential of those crops are are held back by the nutrition that is put in front of them. Um, and I, you know, I can't encourage people enough to get, you know, every soil tested, every muck um, application, know what is in it and have a nutrient balance sheet. So a nutrient management plan um, and really, you know, go to that genetic potential of those crops. How much forage could we be producing from that same acre of soil? Yeah, really interesting points with that, Lisa. Um, obviously, something we've spoken about quite a lot, having a nutrient management plan, and more so, I guess, in the organic world. Um, so, Adam, what kind of focuses, what could we be doing to really help uh, these organic customers across the UK? I think the basics are, are, are the same as far as we, within our business, within Mo Valley Farmers, we, we have specialisation through Lisa and her team, uh, through our uh, through our ruminant nutritional team as well, uh, and making sure that we engage at the right level, so we understand every farm because every farm is totally individual. What they're looking to achieve, how they're going to achieve it, and then we'll implement and work with them so they can actually achieve those targets set out. And the fascinating thing for me is that every farm is totally different. So uh, every day is different. Every every uh, every farm I go on, I I get. Um, get presented with with different challenges but the 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 encouraging thing for myself and the business that that we represent is that we we have a, we have a number of different solutions Seth that we can provide so we're not we're not looking at a product to fit all we are through our through our colleagues um, being able to find the the right solution for that farm which is going to give that farm every opportunity to to hit those targets but at the end of the day, let's 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 not shy away from it. They have to be profitable. We all have to be profitable, and um, and it's been a challenge in six months. It's going to be a further challenge in six months, I would suggest. Um, so we need to make sure that working with our members that that they do uh, and stay profitable within this within this sector. I'm really excited about this new mill as well. I mean, I'm not even on the team, but um, I've caught some of the excitement and. Rob, what do you think of that, having a organic, you know, only email? That must be new music to your ears, I'm guessing. I, I think, without a doubt, and, you know, from my background within, you know, the, the feed milling industry uh, of a competitor of yours up to a couple of years ago, um, I, I think the having access to a mill that is dedicated to organic is a, is a huge asset. And, you know, I just were making some notes as we were chatting and, you know, I've got a couple of questions for, for, for you, Lisa, in a minute. But, you know, I've got, you know, a question for Adam. You know, I think you you mentioned or you touched on milk price feed price ratio, uh, which I, it is it is really important. 
Um, and I, you know, one of the things when Seth asked earlier about what will happen with organic, there is that potential there. At the moment, cows are not being fed overly hard. There is potential for more milk to satisfy that demand going forward in future. But I'm really interested to to hear, you know, in terms of production and diets, what your plans are for, for the Ufka mill, because all of a sudden you'll go from having four bins in Bridgewater or five bins in Bridgewater to build a diet to having a full suite of bins and a full production line. So we, are you going to be looking along the nutritional lines of producing better organic diets and treating organic cows in, you know, to the, to the same quality as what we can do in the conventional side of things? So that that's my question for, for you, Adam. Then I'll come back to you in a minute, Lisa, with the other one. So I think it's um, we did just just to clarify we, we took over the uh, the responsibility of Ofkin Mill the first of September, twenty twenty three. We've had an existing um, organic business from a feed perspective, predominantly compounds, but also meals, blends, and uh, surprising how much straights direct to farm we do as well. So we've got, we've got an established feed business, organic feed business. Been operating out of the Huntworth Mill, which is on the uh, 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 Junction Twenty Four on the M Five, uh, and been successful for a, for a number a number of years. Uh, the problem or the challenges we've had with that mill is it's a very very busy mill. Uh, we've got the organic side of things, we've got conventional there, but we also produce all our bag feed there as well. So the complexity of that mill um, is very challenging for 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 everyone. And you mentioned Rob. Yeah, the, the raw material bins. Well, we've only got a certain amount of raw material bins. We've got to satisfy our conventional requirements and our organic requirements. So the decision of taking over the, the Ufka mill and dedicating it to organic, um, which is I feel is, is pretty unique within the marketplace as it stands today, it removes so much complexity uh, from, from Huntworth and it's straightforward from an Ufka mill point of view. We're we're in the process at the moment of moving tonnage down to Afghan down to Afghan Mill, which will then release uh, additional capacity at Humworth. So we'll be looking to drive more conventional and bag products for our for our Humworth Mill. Uh, but from an Afghan point of view, as you said, Rob, the the, the reduces the complexity. It's very straightforward. It opens up a lot more avenues as far as raw materials are concerned. We are uh, and will con- will be developing a monogastro offering out of that mill as well. So we'll be looking at all organics, ruminant and monogastro. But to give you an example, we've we've got uh, you know our our bin raw material bin will be treble treble than what it was uh, at Hardworth. So that all of a sudden brings in a whole wealth of uh, different opportunities where we can start to look at different raw materials. Look at delivering a number of wider portfolio and suite of products in the ruminant and the and the monogastric side of things. We shouldn't also uh, forget that we, for, from a mill point of view, it needs to be needs to be satisfied by the by the governing bodies. And if it's a dedicated organic mill, that's music to to their ears, as it is ours. Because if you look at just if you look at just the potential of contamination and things like that, when the you know, upper Huntworth it was. Um, that the, the risk was always there, whereas if it's just one site to, or totally committed to organic organic raw materials, then it reduces that complexity totally. 
And if it reduces that, then it's also going to uh, reduce cost. So if you look at it from a supply chain point of view, then manufacturing costs are going to be re reduced, which in turn should uh, and will give us a more competitive offering for our former shareholders. So a lot going on. Um, we're right in it at the moment as far as we're, we're, we're just running some tests with the new die down at Ufcom Mill. Um, that should be completed, all being well, by end of next week. Uh, we'll then migrate the tonnage from Huntworth down into to Ufcom. Ufcom is just 20... I think it's 25 miles, so junction 27 uh, off the M5, so it's just off the motorway, so ideal for, for trunk and feed. Uh, down into Devon and Cornwall, also Somerset, uh, and as as Rob, you and I have uh, experienced, we're, we're putting feed up into the Midlands and, and North now as well, uh, and it's from an African mill, we can always trunk down onto the A30, 303, so we can, get, we can move feed into the southern parts of England quite easily, quite easily as well. So we're not there yet. We're in that we're in that migration stage. Um, but as we as we move the tonnage down into Afghan, we start to get more raw materials, we start to drive more efficiencies and that in turn will be will drive a, a more competitive or um, offering at farm gate level. So exciting times. Good. Just on that, Adam, you know you've got that uh, you've got that extra capacity and you've got those extra bins and you know going back to where we we started the conversation around Lisa's question uh, of forage and, and it drove us on to talking about milk from within the farm boundary I, I think what's equally important is if we if we look at the UK as a whole as a boundary um, you know it'd be it'd be really nice to know from from Lisa how we can encourage you know more uk cereals you know and will you be having will will we or will you have a, an opportunity to have a uk base for those cereals in, in the bins in upcome I, I think the more we can we can drive from that uk boundary i totally agree rob i think it's you know less less miles where you know which whichever way they're coming from also improves that um you know climate positive um message that we're you know heavily promoting and um and bought into um we we've got a conventional beans buyback contracts which you know growers are able to sell the beans back into our semi-conventional mode and we yeah we we're definitely looking for um, growers that have got um, beans for a start off because bean protein I think is you know is going to be still one of the most expensive commodities that um, people buy onto farm so you know beans homegrown beans is 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 a fantastic um, way of having protein in the diet whether it's manufactured or whether it's um, homegrown um, so yes definitely I think the answer is a is an easy yes to that one Rob um it's it's an interesting thing and, and you know um having gone on down the conventional route of the beans buyback contract it's um about developing relationships you know and um that's i think what a lot of we've lost over the years where people can just go to you know whoever is selling grain or beans and go yeah send us an arctic load of this and we don't actually really think about where it's come from and i think further from the pandemic you know people started thinking where does it come from you know when it wasn't appearing on time we suddenly started thinking okay well how far has that got to travel why hasn't that arrived 
Um, so it was unpicking that that whole model, which isn't as easy as, as you think it is. So, you know, if people do want to have conversations about um, selling their crops into us, we are very open to, you know, having that, which is which is fantastic. I th- it feels really good. Yeah, I think it's, if I could just add to that, Lisa, I think as a farming cooperative, working with our farmer shareholders uh, uh, is something that we've, we've look quite strongly at where we can where we can buy back or you know, we can procure from farm to it makes complete sense you know we can buy the raw material from the farmers put through the mills to take back out to the farms gotta make sense in, in today's in today's uh, working life uh, i think uh, that reinforced with that you mentioned the, the bean buyback it's been very very successful over a very short space of time uh, so it just shows that they're that there is a willingness there, providing it stands at its own two feet. And, um, you know, we can, we, we'll be developing more and more on that from a beans, but also from a grain point of view, Rob, which I think you're also alluding to. So from, from we're looking to where we can, you know, source from our members to put through our mills to supply a finished product back to our members. And I'm very, I'm very interested, Rob, on on the um, protein side of things. So obviously, that again is a is a big challenge in organic. From you know where that's coming from, and homegrown protein is a is a you know a big favourite of mine with clovers and adding in legumes and 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 that type of thing. Where where do you see this um, protein, um, you know, challenge? And I think you use the right word at, at the end and yeah it, i was, I was is, thinking of the right word Came that, is the end. Chal- that is challenged and in organic we we've always got we've always got one form or another of challenge because we are we, we we're pulling out of a much much smaller pool of raw materials so i think you know that there, there are there are easier wings lower hanging fruit before perhaps we tackle the protein side of things, I think if you if you look at what we can do in terms of you know if we eat cereals for a start, you know we we we're a cereal growing country. We can grow cereals, you know, year in year out. Um, so that you know that's an easy win for us if we can get more cereals into the diet. I, I think you quite rightly mentioned what we can do in terms of forage proteins, and I think that's where you and you, and your guys are far superior to my knowledge in how to, you know, get better protein from from grass and forage. Um, you know, I think we we've got to we've got to take the small wins before we try. You know, be, be we have to be really careful, as my grandma always said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, you know, so we, you know, we need that quality of protein that that we ship in what. What can be grown in better country? Yes, there's there are miles involved in it, but if we can develop more parts of the diet in other areas of the diet from from within that that UK boundary, then you know over time we're going to reduce that that shipping footprint as we've got it at the minute or on other raw materials. So perhaps it isn't a matter of just solving the protein problem. It's it's taking the easier wins. Can we get more genuine feed weeks from organic farmers in in the east of england or the cotswolds rather than you know a, a slightly fluctuated supply at times and it's you know it's easy if you're a farmer and you need 20 ton a month but 
when Adam gets that mill up and running, he's going to want 250 ton a month of wheat. So he's, he's been able to satisfy that. But you know, if this, if he can get to 100, 150 and, and develop it that way, I think for me, those are the wins rather than just jumping on that protein bandwagon. I suppose I was thinking um, that the diet is, you know, at least 60% forage. If we can improve that protein even by half a percent in the in the forage through clovers and through you know correct crop nutrition then you know that's going to make um adam and the nutritionist life a, a little bit easier when it comes to balancing it so um you know from the point of view of um yeah i'm always going on about it Seth, i know but you know that nutrient in the soil and making sure that soil biology is working enough to provide the crop so whether that's grass or wheat or, um, you know, beans, legumes with the nutrition it needs, then you're going to have um, a better end result. Um, and protein is obviously one of those, energy the energy being the, the other big one, but um, a little bit of more attention to detail, I think. And and then you know, going on to make sure, you know, everything's preserved in the camp and it's, you know, it's fed to the cows in a way and always making sure you've got enough, you know, that yield per, per acre or hectare. Um, it's got to be a big focus, I should think, even more so with organic than it is in the normal situation. You can't just go out and buy more, can you really, if you run out? No, but I, I think on that, if you, if you, you know, a lot of organic farmers, you know, would have been doing these things for a long time now. You know, they've, they've got the, they've got the systems in place to grow the clovers, to grow the lucerns, to, to grow really good quality grass because they forage is their, it's their starting point. So they, and they haven't got that lump of protein in the grasses coming from a bag. So they've, they've developed the soils, they've developed it using clovers, using, you know, to, to really get that protein up in, in forages. Uh, but it, as always, we're at the, you know, we're at the mercy of the Great British weather. Uh, you know, 12, you know, if we, if we look around farms today, everybody's reasonably happy in terms of what's, what's in the clamps and there's enough to get through the winter. This time last year, we were sat here going, how are we going to get to the end of February? How are we yeah. going to get to the end of January? Because we'd, we'd come off the back of a drought. Mm. Um, so we, we've always got those challenges. Do you think that by this investment in the mill actually sends out a wider message to the market that if you grow it, we'll take it? Do you think that's a, a a real positive that could come out of this? I think I think it, yeah, most certainly, Seth. Yeah, and that's that's the as a, as farming cooperative, we, yeah, we're there for our members, and I think if we can uh, if we can add value through procurement, through through supplying of product, it all it all falls into that pot, doesn't it? And I think that um, the facility is there; it needs to be filled. Um, and we've we've got some uh, we've got some good fun ahead of us as far as filling the mills concerned. Uh, we're going to do that through, as I said before, adding value on farm, and I think that's that's the that's the key bit. There's no there's no give me's out there. We need to uh, we need to understand everything that Lisa and her team do as far as the forage side of things. But if you coming back a step as far as the protein conversation that's just happened. Protein costs money. At the end of the day, it does cost money. And if we can, through our forage testing, and I don't think we do enough forage testing with our members, uh, 
at clamp level and it's surprising how foragers do change and i'm not talking first cut second cut i'm talking these clamps get bigger and bigger and bigger and i think regular testing is only going to help uh ourselves as far as putting together ration programs because that you know a two percent swing on protein that forage makes a massive difference as far as compiling a complete ration for that for that milking cow so um so I think there's there's an opportunity to work to work closer with some of our members uh, through adding value through understanding the testing and so forth, but by having that additional dynamic, Seth, as you said, has been able to to offer a service of procuring raw material, whether that be uh, cereals or so forth, to bring into the mill. Then that, yeah, I think that's going to be pretty unique within within the marketplace, and we're all, we're all up for that. I, I I would second that, and I think you. It is you move along in that, you'll understand the real value of having that 100% organic tag on the gates of Wolfgang Mill. I, I don't think you can underestimate the value of, of that mill being dedicated to organic. And, and the message that it sends out to, you know, to organic as a, as a sector, actually, we're, you know, a small valley, you're backing it, you're backing organic. You're not shying away from it. It's not just a, well, we've got to have a, an organic offering because we've got conventional. For me, uh, sitting as an outsider and looking in, I, I see that as a, a real positive, a real step to, yeah, we're, we're fully behind organic and we see a future just like, you know, I do and, and the farmers do. We're really into it, Rob. You know, we 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 like the organic sector, and uh, it's yeah, we're very excited about the mill and and that extra focus it's given us on on the organic. You know, looking at our organic grass seed range and reviewing it, and it's yeah, it's it's fantastic. As I said, I went to that meeting and I learned a lot, and um, yeah, it's very exciting to be um, working closer with our organic shareholders and members. And I guess closing thoughts then from from everybody that actually, if you are conventional, considering a move to organic or you're existing organic and you're looking to do more if you can, come and have a chat. I would guess that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we've got people within our team who can really offer that specialist advice. Very much so. And I think, um, question for you, Lisa, as we're asking people, it's not a question actually, is it, it might be worth just mentioning uh, or reflecting on the, the recent farm walk that we did uh, and it was well supported with some with some progressive organic milk producers. And one of the takeaway messages I took from that uh, few hours on that farm is that within this sector, there, there isn't enough of this communication. There isn't enough of throwing around different ideas and you know bringing the, bringing the producers together so we can start to have discussion groups and so forth. And I think there's a real need there, and that's something else strategically that we'll be looking to to develop uh because we haven't got all the answers the answers come within all of us so uh, yeah i totally agree adam i mean all right i know rob says you know that um the organic guys have have got the um soil and everything of pat which i i agree but my perception behind that was the same as yours like they've got this 
But actually, having talked to quite a few following on from that meeting, they do need some more help and support. They do need to be able to look at soils and look at compaction and exactly the same as your conventional guys, you know, and it doesn't actually cost anything to give them the help and advice they need to actually improve the long-term outcomes for those forage crops. Um, so yeah, discuss, that's I, I learned something massive from that day, and I'm sure if we did more, then we'd we'd yeah be able to um, really add some value to those farm farm businesses. Thanks for listening today. If you still haven't subscribed to the Mole Valley podcast, then let now be that moment that you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to us today. That way, you won't miss out on any future episodes. And if you'd like more information, then please visit molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. That's molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. And until next time, I'll speak to you soon.